This is the Black Hall Podcast with Ryan Millsap. Georgia has film and television production. It also has the digital gaming business. Let's face it, Georgia is redefining what success looks like in the world of entertainment. Ryan Millsap has seen it all firsthand. The real estate entrepreneur recognized opportunity and founded Black Hall Studios in Atlanta, creating one of the country's leading movie studios. But that was yesterday. Like all great entrepreneurs, wanderlust sets in. Ryan's next foray into the entertainment business could change the landscape in film and television. Nietzsche said, in heaven, all the interesting people are missing. You'll find a lot of them on the Black Hall Podcast with Ryan Millsap. Welcome. He's young, he's smart, he's talented, and he's just finished filming his first major motion picture, They Cloned Tyrone. Starring in Jewel Taylor's first foray into film is some very serious screen talent. Jamie Foxx, John Boyega, and they round out the cast with the stunningly talented Tayona Paris. Coming into the business as an audio guru and sound savant, Jewel Taylor has flexed his wings and is flying high over the world of entertainment. Join me in talking with this incredible, burgeoning Hollywood talent, Jewel Taylor. Hi, this is Ryan Millsap. Welcome to the Black Hall Podcast. Today on the podcast, we have Jewel Taylor, who is the director of a movie that was recently at Black Hall entitled They Cloned Tyrone. Jewel, welcome to the program. I appreciate you. Thank you for having me. So are you guys finished filming at Black Hall? We are, unless we unless there ends up being reshoots of some sort. <laughs> well, for your sake, I hope there aren't. Me too. <laughs> I'm in post, so that remains to be seen. <laughs> how, how are you feeling about the footage? Uh, I feel good about it. I mean, I feel good about it in as much as you could feel good about something that you did, which I'm like a neurotic type, so I feel generally horrible about everything. So, you know, feeling good about it is is good for me. You know what I mean? I think if, if I'm being truthful, I, I'm like, I cringe. I'm like, ah, this day it rained. This happened this day. You know what I mean? I like, I generally like, nitpick it to death and then like I don't like it no more by the time I look at it again <laughs> but like in terms of just you know the cinematography the production design you know all of our all of our um, department heads I mean they did a great job so it does it makes it easy to look at the footage it, it, it only leaves my fuck ups oh can I cuss on this I'm sorry absolutely this is oh, a free okay. this is a free program <laughs> all right it is wide all, uh, this is wide open internet <laughs> we on the world no FCC there. let's get it yeah. <laughs> All right. So, where did you grow up? Uh, I'm from Tuskegee, Alabama. Ah, the Tuskegee Airmen. Indeed, and you know, I think people say like Montgomery by way of Tuskegee. You know, like so when they say by way of the by way of is where you were born, and the first city is where you where you currently reside. Ain't that how they do it? I think so. So I would think it would be. I don't reside in Montgomery, but I mean, I was kind of raised in Tuskegee and Montgomery. You know. First Tuskegee, then Montgomery. Did you grow up in the country? Yes and no. So I mean, like my 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 very very. Until I moved to Montgomery when I was nine. So before nine, I spent a lot of time in the woods, <laughs> a lot of time at, at at my friend Marcus's house, like riding three wheelers and four wheelers and 
chasing rabbits and because he lived in shorter Alabama, which trust me, nobody's ever heard of. But there's a dog track. There's like a big casino and dog track there. And that's pretty much all that's there. But so I, I grew up in the country. And then when I moved to Montgomery, I lived in like a, a subdivision that was like, you know, front yard, sidewalk, you know, that kind of thing. So it was kind of a blend of both. And and when did you start to realize that you had a creative streak that really might be the road to your own happiness? Um, I mean, I always like I, I you know I got an older brother, and uh, so growing up, I, I always wanted to do you know video game design. You know, like I pretty much grew up interested in music and video games, so I always like skewed toward like the arts in general because I wanted to, you know draw and you know like recreate record of lotus war and dragon ball and you know i watched a lot of anime growing up because my brother did you know he's 16 years older than me so he was like big into like record of lotus war and 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 grave of the firefly you know like these like movies and television shows that were like the 80s wave of anime you know um and so i always like wanted to draw and like create like you know dungeons and dragons scenarios and shit like that because i always like watch my brother play rpgs growing up so i always was kind of like skewed towards like that and i always like loved doing music and so i, I knew it was, like i wanted to do something like in the arts you know in that realm but uh the film came way later though the film, the film aspect came well well into into college into undergrad actually so i knew i wanted to do something in that, in, you know, I knew I didn't want to be like a, you know, anything revolving the maps, <laughs> involving the maps, um, anything in engineering, doctor, lawyer. I knew I wanted to do something that was like artistic, but I really didn't know what specifically till much later. So what what did you study as an undergrad? Uh, I was an art major at first. So when I first got to college, I was an art major and I was... My the major that I wanted to join was a um, like a hybrid, funny enough, between engineering, <laughs> engineering and art. So because I wanted to, when I got to college, I'm like, All right, I'm gonna do video game design. I'll be like Hideo, and there was no video game design program at my under where I went to school at, which was you know UF Go Gators. Um, so I, the closest analog to that was this program, digital arts and sciences program, which was like this mix between. To, you know, for the time, like Maya, you know, stuff like that and engineering, which was like a lot of math classes, a lot of art classes. But you had to apply after your sophomore year to get into the specific program. Mm -hmm. And so you had to basically build your portfolio. So they only took a few kids every year and you had to be an upperclassman. And so I was a basically a general fine arts major my first two years. So I put off all my engineering class. I took gen ed art and I was like, I'll take engineering if I get into this program. And that basically just ended up not happening because my portfolio didn't get accepted. So like my art wasn't good enough to get into the program. And so I went from being a general fine arts major uh, my first two years to like kind of being in no man's land. I was like, okay, do I just get an art degree or do I like try to save these credits? And so that's when I I, I kind of tried to finesse my way <laughs> towards filmmaking, and I, which I basically picked up my first two years at Florida haphazardly, like just completely randomly from a class project. 
And so I knew I was like, oh, this is kind of fun. I had a homie that I, I did a couple of like just random things with just on the side. And then when my credits, you know, were kind of up in the air, and I didn't get into this program that I wanted to get into. Then I had to kind of figure out how, how do I save these credits. And so I ended up leaving undergraduate with an interdisciplinary degree. Like under like interdisciplinary, like film. And, I made my like own degree. I, I finessed a degree called film and media studies. So basically, I, I um, after my sophomore year, I had like you know sixty, however many credits you end up having after two years. And it was you know I was like oh, but I had done art. You know I done a lot of art classes, photography classes, sculpture class, figure drawing. I had all these like random art classes. And so I was like okay, well I'll I'll take theater for a year. And then after your junior year, you can apply for interdisciplinary, you know, but you have to kind of obviously rationalize it. You got to write this whole, this whole like appeal to the staff of the liberal arts and science colleges in order for them to like, quote unquote, approve your degree. Cause you're basically like making your own degree in the interdisciplinary. So I was like, all right, junior year, I'm going to be a theater major. So I just, I took theater my junior year. And then I, I took English film analysis all my senior year. In my fifth, you know, first, I ended up taking one semester into my fifth year because I couldn't save every credit. And I had to take, that's a long story. I had to take Spanish all of a sudden. But so I, I basically just kind of like jumbled this random collection of classes together and like, you know, wrote an appeal. And for whatever reason, they approved it. So they let me get a film degree, although it was it was kind of worthless if I didn't actually pursue film. So you you start pursuing film. What what happens between the time you leave college and the time you end up in basically the best film school in the country, USC? <laughs> Nothing. <laughs> Funny enough, I went back to Alabama for three years. Um, so I went back to Bama, and I was you know just doing music, um, but really more <laughs> shooting music videos and like there is no like infrastructure like where I was at, you know. So like I was back home, just kind of honestly, just like bullshitting around you know and eventually i got you know stark i was playing too much uncharted 2 i was playing i was just playing too many video games i was just full-time gaming you know <laughs> and so i after a couple of years of just like basically full-time gaming shooting like random music videos for people because that's basically the only the closest thing to film work you can get you know just like kind of messing around. But I mean, these are like videos that like don't even live on YouTube. You know what I mean? Like these are videos that will never see the light of day, mm -hmm. you know, but <laughs> you just like straight up local rappers and stuff. Yeah. Not, not that many even I'm like, I'm being generous to myself in terms of the output, but over the course of several years, I shot a few videos, you know, making it sound better than it is. Um, so then where in that i really was a full-time gamer full-time gamer and but you're not at the, if twitch was around back then i probably wouldn't have went to college you know because you were playing at a level where you might have been able to attract an audience i was playing i played eight hours a day all the, like every day when i graduated <laughs> eight to ten hours a day every day when i graduated college like I, my passion was video, it's still video games in, in many regards do you have any time to play these days I find time to play. <laughs> like when I was shooting, I would come home from Black Hall and like, you know, I was like, I, like, cause like the thing is like the second you stop playing, like you really got old, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, even no matter how busy I am, I'll come home and I'll play. I'll be like laying down and like, I get back at midnight if we were shooting, you know, <laughs> and 
I'll play until like two in the morning, you know, and then I like force myself to go to sleep. I would do that like every day. Like I put in like a hundred hours of Ghost of Tsushima while shooting Tyrone. What games are you playing? I probably shouldn't say that. No, it's, it's no. Okay. I mean, listen, it's whatever it takes to get the. <laughs> I, that's the only way I can like call like like chill out though. <laughs> right, but what are you chilling out playing? I mean, are you what, what games are you playing? Uh, right now, uh, I just I have such a backlog of games that um, funny enough, I just started Horizon, which I've had sitting on my uh, sitting on my shelf for like three years, like years. Um, I just popped in Horizon. Um, that's pretty much what I recently started playing. I'm about to get into Sekiro, uh, which I, funny enough, I I thought I didn't bring it to Atlanta, so I like packed a couple of gallons. I, I didn't know how much time I had to play, but I was like, I'll, I'll squeeze it in, you know, at, at nighttime. And I play like Overwatch, you know what I'm saying? Um, with, with my friends still, but like I didn't realize I packed Sekiro. And so when I was packing up to go back to L.A., I found Sekiro and I was like, oh, my goodness. <laughs> so so uh, when I, as soon as I beat Ghost of Tsushima, I was like, man, I wish I had Sekiro in Atlanta so I could start playing it. And so I was uh, I started playing uh, Horizon, about to start playing Sekiro. So that's what's going on right now. But I, be, I just started I just started Words of Radiance. Um, I just read Way of Kings. I ain't been playing too much lately. I've been going through Way of Kings, and now I'm in Words of Radiance, so it's, it's kind of been a time suck. <laughs> Between editing and then, like, reading Way of Kings, that's pretty much sucked up all my time since I've been back in L.A. What do you think about this convergence that's happening between video games and entertainment? Um, I mean, there's the, you know the cynic that says like games are games will never be replicated. But then there's like the filmmaker that's like, man, but somebody got to make a shadow of Colossus movie. Somebody got to make a Bioshock movie, which I know, I think really Scott was trying to make at one point, but execs told me it was like impossible <laughs> in terms of like budget wise to get that movie off the ground. So like there's two, there's like the gamer half of me that's cynical that like leave it alone. You know, and then there's like the filmmaker half of me that like somebody's gonna get it right at one point, you know. So I, I think there's a there's a you you need a game that, in my opinion, I feel like you need a game that has a loose enough lore that you're not like hamstrung to it, you know. Right. Because like I think when when the lore like you need a like I mean I think somebody like a Quentin Tarantino can make an amazing Grand Theft Auto movie because the lore, it, like it's it, the world is wild enough that it's it's like an anthology, you know what I mean? It's like an anthology, so it's like you can make a new story, but it would really just be a crime thriller branded at GTA at that point, you know what I mean? So it's like it's it's a little bit of a cheat, you know. You know, you look at like uh, Ready Player One, Jumanji; these are just jump off points with the notion of a video game. Oh, for sure, for sure. Right. But as you get into exactly what you're talking about, which is the the content that's born out of narratives from video games, I think what you're going to the road you're going down, though, is an intelligent one where you take Grand Theft Auto and you're just you're taking elements of Grand Theft Auto and elements of Fast and the Furious and elements of, you know, whatever. And you're blending those into a new narrative that is kind of jumping off from Grand Theft Auto. Well, that that well, I think that's the only way. Not the only way. I mean, like you either need something that like 
is very sparse from a storyteller that leaves a lot of room to fill in the blanks or you need something that the world is such that like you could make a splinter cell movie if you had like you know a1 cast a1 director you know craig mazin writes it you know what i'm saying like it's but like again i mean at a certain point you know that there's like two branches of what you could do you know what i mean like when the world like take like assassin's creed you know what i'm saying like it's at a certain point it's like you can't squeeze all that story into a movie and so they're always going to be fans you're going to be like mm, that ain't it you know what i mean like in terms of just story wise like there's going to be fans that's going to be dissatisfied when it's when it's too much lore it won't fit you know what i mean you're better off trying to make a tv show no i agree with you but think about think about the you know, how many people had actually read the lord of the rings before they were made into a movie, it was very a very small percentage of people who watched the movie Lord of the Rings had read those books. Mm-hmm. So on some level, you have to remember that that's true of video games as well. Like the number of people playing them versus the number of people that would watch a movie that was based on XYZ video game, a huge percentage of the of the audience will have not known any of the background. Yeah, I mean, I think, but then you got this like bifurcated audience where it's like, you know, you've got the audience who is, you know, the the equivalent of the Game of Thrones book reader, you know, Song of Ice and Fire book readers, right? Like, that's right. Where you're like, that's right. They're like this, you know, they're like, oh, you know, any 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 inconsistency, like what, what I mean, and everybody loves Song of Ice and Fire, obviously, when it was sticking to the books, at least generally, you know, mm-hmm. and I love the books, you know what I'm saying? But you almost got to like treat them as two separate things at a certain point. So you got people who are mad, you know, because where's Cold Hands, you know, where's Lady Stoneheart, you know what I mean? And then you got people who have no idea they exist, you know what I mean? Like they don't know Strong Bellers, you know what I mean? So like if you, if you were to take a game, you'd have, you'd have that split fan base who was like, you didn't stick to the spirit of this game. And then you have the split fan base who didn't know anything about it. You know what I'm saying? And so it's like, if the movie doesn't, if the movie tries to cater to both, I feel like that's when they fail. You know what I mean? Like you either just got to break off that shit and say, we're going to alienate the fans of the game, which I think is crazy, but it happens, you know, or you got to try to do honor to it, knowing that you may alienate new people who don't really know the world. You know what I mean? If you take something that is like, has a lot of lore, you know what I mean? Or you right. can go to Grand Theft Auto route and like, yo, everybody knows the vibe because it's a tone. And that's that's a little mm-hmm. more easy to replicate than the story itself, you know what I mean? So you can take Grand Theft Auto, you know the tone of Grand Theft Auto. So if you you would know it when you see it. That's right. No, that, that, that makes a lot of sense. Somebody's going to do it. Agreed. You can't help but do it. The, 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 the narratives are too much a part of the zeitgeist of sections of our society, right? The stories want to be told in movie format, want to be told in series format. Um, you know, you, I can think of a lot of video games that could take on a tone of like Watchmen and be very successful. I agree. I mean, I, I want to see Ridley Scott make Bioshock. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. I want to see Ridley Scott make Bioshock as like an HBO show. Mm. you know i want them to give like all the bells and whistles and like stretch it out don't try to squeeze it in two hours like well you know the video game companies are all searching for ways to turn their oh i know IP I, into, oh i know yeah i know yeah i know it's funny because like even uh you know overwatch shorts like 
in six minutes, you know, you, you'd be like <laughs> cheer, standing up and cheering. You know what I mean? Like there, there are plenty of people who know what to do with those properties, you know? Okay. So you're playing video games down in Alabama. How the heck do you end up at USC? Cause I, cause <laughs> I don't know. I mean, it was, it was, uh, when I was, when I was at Florida, you know, dude that I, um, kind of started doing my homie, Adam, who I got into film with, you know, uh, we both was like, yeah, you know, USC. Okay. That's the number one film school. Bad. We go, we gonna we gonna go to USC one day. You know, you don't really think nothing of it. Cause I didn't have any formal training whatsoever. And everything I saw from USC was like, to me looked like Star Wars, you know, I'm like, what the fuck? Like, man, I could never do that shit. <laughs> so when I, when I graduated, like part of the reason I didn't, I didn't apply to film school right away because I didn't think I would get in. So I was like, as long as you don't apply, as long as you don't like get formally rejected, like it's still a possibility, you know what I mean? <laughs> so there's this like little, like, you know, self-defeating mechanism in you that like tries to protect you from getting rejected, you know? So I'm just, you know, I'm chilling and it's on the back burner. But like what ended up happening was like, I'm eating so much barbecue and like, <laughs> I'm eating so much barbecue. I'm playing video games. Like years are like two years are burned by quick. I'm like, damn, you know. So now I'm thinking like, okay, what the hell am I gonna do? You know what I'm saying? And so like, I think it's just your own impending mortality, kind of looking at you that made me finally just say fuck it and apply. You know. Mm-hmm. And so I think that yeah. it was just a little stir craziness that was like, what well, you know, whatever. Like I ain't doing shit in Alabama right now. So let me just. Let me just go ahead and apply to film school, see what happens, you know? And like, I didn't expect to get into film school, any film school, you know, uh, let alone USC. And so, you know, it, it was, it was kind of just born out of like, seeing, seeing no immediate path to like cash in on this degree, you know what I'm saying? And I like, I wanted to do film, but I didn't think I had enough, you know, um, experience to, actually pursue it you know i was like i'm too old you know i already graduated college i should you know people did this in undergrad and high school and i i'm just like a dude who just likes stories you know (laughs) i don't have any actual like you know i didn't know i mean i didn't know what a scrim a flag like i didn't know anything about like gear i the stuff i did in undergrad was like (laughs) there was no such thing as shaping and softening the light i'm just like here goes a (laughs) here goes a uh (laughs) Uh, uh, what, what was that? A low. I think I had a low light kit. You know, like here goes a light right on your face. Splat out. <laughs> Don't worry about softening. Here's some hard shadows on the table, <laughs> and that was what, that's how we was rocking. You know, and so I, but I I knew I knew enough to know that I didn't know shit though, which was what was you know kind of keeping me from pursuing it further. But nonetheless, I for whatever reason, I tricked USC into. Um, and to accept me. <laughs> and so clearly, clearly they were geniuses. <laughs> right. In really, retrospect, you, tr- you thought you were tricking your way. Well, it remains you know, to be seen. <laughs> you're well on your way. I'm sure they're very proud of you. Um, you know, I'm a Trojan as well. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. That's what it is. Yeah. I would say yeah, fight yeah. on, but it's go Gators. You know what I'm saying? I'll give you a quick fight on. You can say both. We're not, you know, it's a it's a West Coast fight on. We haven't been in any contention for so long that right now, like you know, the SEC just oh, I mean, we but it was it was real beef when I was at Florida. You know, I went there, you know, 
2005 to 2009. So, you know, it was, it was, mm. it was real beef because it was Pete Carroll and Urban Meyer, you know what I'm saying? And we, That's we right. never, was, we never saw y'all on the field, you know? That, it was, thank God. No. <laughs> You're right. We had good years back then, the right. 2003, four, five, six. Y'all I mean, were it trying was to ripping. see Tebow and them boys. No, Tebow was, Tebow was a bad man. Tebow There's was no a very bad it. man. So when you got into USC, had you ever been to L.A.? Uh, I'd been to L.A. as a kid. Way I hadn't been to L.A. since I was maybe four or five years old. And I pretty much had never been to L.A., more or less. And did you take the acceptance and just move there without having ever gone to business? I almost went adult? to Columbia. Like, I actually, I, I was really close to going to Columbia. Um, so you applied to film school, then you get in nowhere, and you got into Columbia and USC. Somehow, yeah. That's Somehow. unbelievable. Where else did you I, get in? NYU? I ain't get in nowhere else. NYU said, peace out. <laughs> I ain't get into oh AFI. God. I ain't get into NYU. I ain't even get into Cal Arts, you know? Um, but I love this. I love these kind of stories where you get into Columbia and USC and Cal Arts says, no way. I, hey, Cal Arts, I know some people with the Cal Arts that are monsters, though. So I ain't hating on Cal Arts. You know what I'm saying? I'm not hating on them. It's a great school. I just think it's hilarious when, you know, the two top schools say yes and people underneath them say no i mean i don't blame them i mean shit you know i don't know i, I ain't know why usc or <laughs> columbia accepted me <laughs> it's like all right i guess you know well, the the proof is in the pudding Something. so <laughs> yeah. but i you know so you moved to la what'd you think about la uh i mean i you know i, I had I, I actually worked my senior year the summer after my senior year before i, I had to take one extra semester i, I, I lived in new york and I, I PA'd in New York for a summer on a couple of movies. And, you know, so I had, you know, got to live in New York for a summer. Um, and, like, I compared to New York, L.A. is, like, way more similar to Alabama in the sense of just, like, a car. Like, you know, it, it's a more spaced out, like, car-oriented city, you know. So, like, in New York, I was, like, walking to the subway. This was, like, that was, like, a total, like, culture shock of like damn you know i'm used to like a walmart on two different sides of my house one mile in either side of my house you know like i can go to super walmart at four in the morning and get a DiGiorno pizza and a bike you know what i'm saying <laughs> and that like level of convenience was is, is not in la either but it's definitely more you know if you're like if you were more like car oriented and like getting around like that it's definitely like an easier transition than it was like living in new york so Coming to LA, I'm like the weather's nice. It ain't it ain't rained in forever, and you know it's it's relatively easy to get around if you discount traffic. You know, so I loved it like almost immediately. Are you still living there? Yeah, yeah, I still I still live in LA. I still live downtown. Oh, you live downtown? <laughs> yeah, yeah. What what part of, what part of downtown? Um, basically Echo Park near Echo Park. Um, I'm kind of in the no man's land area between downtown and Echo Park. Like first in Bowdry, like 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 first in Bowdry, you know if you know where that is, uh-huh. like around that I area. Do. And so, uh, oh. it's uh, you know, I, I used to live right behind Dodger Stadium, and uh, I pretty much just only moved like half a mile down the street. So I've been in this Chinatown Echo Park area the whole time I lived in L.A. So tell me about USC Film School. USC Film School. Um, <laughs> I mean, like, I can't be mad at it, like, because, like, the classmates, you know, I think it's different than, you know, it's it's not fair, 
you know, but it's it's also kind of designed to be unfair. <laughs> it's not like it's unfair, but like the opportunities aren't given equally to everybody, you know. And so as with anything, you know. In, in what way? Well, they have, they have like, like everybody goes to USC want to be a director. Like, like when they first get there, like, you know, 90% want to be directors. But there's only a few opportunities that are really like, more glamorous to directing you you can direct but like you know they have like projects that are like school sponsored more or less you know what i'm saying that you can apply yeah you, you know it's like a hunger games that's what usc is it's it's a little mini hunger Games situation you know and so it's like the glamorous like the the glamour projects that you can direct that have a little bit more of a budget and like you know you don't have to come out of your own pockets not counting tuition uh, those projects you have to like compete to get, you know what I'm saying? And so, and like, obviously as with anything, faculty have their favorites and, you know, there's all kind of shit that go into it as with any kind of competitive environment, you know? And so sometimes like a lot of kids who are really talented don't get a lot of looks. Cause sometimes they might've taken courses where like they didn't have a professor who had like the sway and like some of that decision-making. So a lot of times like kids get jaded just because they feel like they, you know, they deserved, you know, different opportunities that were available at USC, but weren't allowed to like, even the writing classes at one point, I don't know what the curriculum is now because it'd be changing, but a couple, you know, I'm not that far removed from being in film school, but, but like they, the, um, when I was there, like the writing classes, you had to apply to get into. If you weren't a writing student, we were production students. But if you were, if you, if you, if you weren't in the writing program, you had to apply to take the screenwriting class. You know, and again, the types of stories that people want to tell. I mean, teachers are biased. Everybody biased. So you know, it would, it would just, it'd be a lot of things that people wanted to do that they couldn't do. You know, um, for one reason or another. You know, classes that are, aren't available to everybody. And so sounds like they perfectly replicated all of Hollywood. That's exactly what they're trying to do. So it's like, again, it's not like it's not by design. It's definitely by design. And so they, they, they give you a very like, you know, uneven experience, you know, in, in regards, but in the other regard, like it, the, the best thing about USC is like, really like your classmates, you know? And so I think, I mean, I learned more from my classmates than I learned from classes, you know? But that's also by design, you know, just in terms of like the way they like smash y'all together and different, you know, different projects you're doing, the way they make you do, you know, they make you pick up a second, you know, trade, you know. So I, I did sound design, you know. Um, so I did engineering, dialogue, editing, you know, Foley, re-recording, all that. Um, and so like they kind of they, they kind of force you to pick up at least one other trade that like Cause in their, in their minds, you ain't going to be a director. You know, they pretty much tell everybody, none of you will be directors basically. So you better learn how to edit or you better learn this, that, or the third. So you can get a job when you get out of here, you know? So there's like that, like, you know, dissuasion that's happening as soon as you get in there and the way they kind of like jumble up the students in different courses, you know, you just learn a lot from your classmates, you know? I mean, I think it's the same at like AFI and why you, you know what I mean? I'm pretty sure it's, like that everywhere you know what i mean i would imagine any film school you go to you're gonna learn more from your classmates than your teachers you know i, I definitely did not to say i didn't have some great teachers i got lucky with some of my some of my professors for sure but i think just the osmosis of being on set being around like 
super talented classmates. You know, I think that's really where the, the value came out of USC for sure. Well, when I describe USC, I, I think of a, a very high-end trade school. Yeah. And the reason I say that is I was an adjunct professor in the real estate program there for seven years. Oh, yeah. And I, I looked around at kind of how they structured all of their academic environments, and they intend for everybody to come out of USC ready to work, whether it's film, real estate, business, accounting, communications, engineering, medicine, dentistry. I mean, they are tops in all of their chosen fields, but those fields are trades, right? Real estate's a trade. Filmmaking's a trade. Dentistry's a trade, et cetera. And USC is a very can-do, practical, go-get-em kind of place. It's definitely not an ivory tower. No, no not at all. I mean, I, I, that's, I actually expected it to be a lot more bougie. When I, like I, I was expecting it to be super bougie, but it was like the opposite. Like my classmates was like, because like what what I didn't know was that like the undergrad is where like the people who grew up wanting to do film generally find their way to film the first time around. <laughs> like grad school, like uh, my classmates were like lawyers and you know engineers and everything. You know, half of the class had never you know done anything film related half the class and then you realize you're like oh okay like they're looking for people specifically who have like different entry points into film like that's like their goal you know what i mean like people a lot of people who are like you know athletes you know like they, but they're they're but don't get it like they're all storytelling like they you know you see like the talent even if they were like an economist you know in their former career you're like oh but you're like super creative you know what i mean these people are like hyper creative you know your classmates but a lot of them just haven't had like they take the opinion of like we can teach anybody how to do the film stuff like we we looking for people who just have points of view that we like you know and we'll teach you the film stuff you just come with the point of view you know that's pretty much USC's like pov you know as a yeah you film mm -hmm. school in general you come with the talent we'll help you refine it yeah like i mean but but their definition of talent isn't filmmaking talent it's storytelling talent you know what I mean? Like they get you can have no filmmaking talent because you never picked up a camera. But they they feel like by the time you leave here, you'll know how to you know what I'm saying, you'll know how to do all the technical stuff. That's kind of how they look at it. We'll teach you the trade. Yeah, you, you have the, the talent the raw, from a human. raw storytelling mm -hmm. point of view. Because a lot of people like mm. like ama like you know, like some amazing like storytellers who I mean people who are just totally different backgrounds throughout college who didn't, you know, a lot of people like in the grad program didn't get into film until they were in college or about to be out of college or well after college, you know, and then they like, okay, mm -hmm. no, let me see what's going on with this film stuff. And then they, they try to refine it. So they clone Tyrone is a big, big deal in your life, right? This is their first major um, production that you've directed and with, you know, obviously world-famous actors now with Jamie and John Boyega in there. Tiana Paris. Yeah. Tiana Paris, exactly. Thank you for oh, yeah. putting her Shout in there, Shout out to too. Tiana for sure. <laughs> right? So tell me about the journey to get to that place, and then tell me about, like, some of the experience that you just went through and, you know, what you learned from making the movie. Um, the... Man, the... It took a, it, you know, the, we, 
the journey was so like random and like circuitous to get to making Tyrone. Uh, it came, you know, the 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 idea is like years old, several years old. But like just in terms of just from the time we pitched it, which was maybe three and a half years ago, maybe 2017 <laughs> yeah. um, to the time to now, I guess, you know, it was like setting it up, you know, even in general was just like super random, you know, like it was a connection I had with, with a friend of mine at Sony who, you know, was like wanted us to, cause we had the idea for so long before we ever like put it, put it on the page. You know, we pitched it without a script, you know, to all the studios and we had the idea for probably like six, eight months before then, you know, so people had known about it, but we, we were, we had writing assignments, so we didn't have any time because we were just going from one writing assignment to another, just trying to like stack up writing assignments, you know, and trying to, this was like when we first, you know, we pitched it in 2018. We we were kicking the idea around in 2017. And like right at the end of 2017 was when like all these like writing assignments started like picking up for real. And so like by the time we went from having the idea to to pitching the idea, it's probably been like six months, you know, six, eight months, you know, of like just kind of telling people, but we we had just, you know, like Creed just happened. Like from Creed on, it was like writing gig after writing gig that we were trying to like stack it up you know and when you say we you had a, I have a writing, writing partner, partner so on this tony, yeah tony redmire that's uh that's 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 the homie from usc we've been writing since we've been at usc um so we you know our, our day job was just screenwriting you know so we you know just would go from assignment to assignment you know uh just trying to like build up a, you know, uh, a Rolodex of places that we work, studios we work with and, you know, things like that. And so we, 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 we knew all these execs and we had kicked this idea, you know, I, I wanted to make a weird movie. <laughs> and so I, I'd always kicked this idea. And one of, one of my good friends who was at Sony at the time, at Columbia at the time, he was, he was like, y'all ain't never going to pitch this script. Cause y'all are going to keep like, trying to jump on <laughs> writing assignments. So he kind of forced my hand and like, you know, basically, you know, made us a deal. Like, Hey, you know, if you come and pitch it, we'll da 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 da. I was like, all right, man, we'll pitch it. You know? And so we, we ended up after that, we had known like, okay, we can't pitch it to Sony and not pitch it to universal. I was in this writing fellowship at universal and, you know, it just kind of snowballed this little pitch that was supposed to just be to Columbia and we ended up pitching in all these places. And, you know, from there, you know, people liked it. And, you know, we ended up setting it up with Macro, um, who we already set this TV show up with, uh, because they gave us the most creative freedom, you know. And they gave us the most assurances in the contract that I would get to direct it. You know, it's like I'm pitching it to write and direct, but people pretty much know me as a writer. And so it's like, you don't want to just they they buy the script and then they like hire another director or they like renege on you, you know? And so I, we ended up going to macro because they, they promised like, you know, no other writers, no other directors. Like it's like you, you're making it or it won't exist, you know? And so like we had, we ended up going with like a, a slightly smaller production company 
because they were, you know, it was basically all the studios and Macro that we pitched it to because we had a relationship with Macro. So we ended up closing with Macro. And then that took a year of trying to cast it. So like really the, the, the time consuming thing at that point was casting, you know. Yeah, I was going to ask you, who did most of that packaging? Did you guys do it yourself? We, we well, we, this movie was supposed to be a, like a, you know, a smaller movie for like the first year of its life. You know, like I, I you know, we we didn't even think like someone like Jamie Foxx, like, you know what I mean? Like, so we, we weren't even thinking of that scale, you know, and so it was a smaller movie and, you know, it was difficult to cast. Uh, it was difficult to cast because of schedule. And so like scheduling was like the bane, like people, you know, because it was a, it was like a, a sub $10 million movie at one point. Right. Like it was a, like a Sundance scale, like, you know, an indie movie, like that's what it was, the spirit of it. And then it, it actually just like evolved and blew up, you know, over time as, as we got more ambitious, you know, because we actually was having a hard time casting it when it was a small scale. But when we decided to like kind of open it up, we found that like people were still interested, you know what I mean? And so we, uh, you know, it took a long time from the casting point of view. And like when the, the budget started like blowing up and that we went out and got, went back to the studios and ended up partnering with Netflix. And at that point, it was just really waiting for schedules to open up and the like long courtships of talent, you know, because um, once you get to the Jamie Foxx's and John Boyega's and Tiana Paris of the world, like, you know, you're like, thank God they're interested in this, of course, but you got to wait for them to finish their movies. <laughs> you got to wait for yeah, It's not easy to get the three time. of them all in the same place at yeah, the same time. Like, it's funny because yeah. like Tiana, Tiana actually was, it took, it took like two years, you know, for her schedule to line up. Cause even at the very beginning, like we were talking to Tiana and you know, she was, she was in, but like she had Candyman, she had WandaVision, she had like all these shows and movies cause she's popping, you know what I'm saying? She's killing it. So we had to wait in line. You know what I mean? We had to wait. And we, and the stars had to align because like when she would have a window, Jamie wouldn't, have, you know what I mean? Like you would need, everybody's windows to align, you know, which is, it was truly a miracle that anything is made, you know. And then obviously COVID, you know, killed it again, you know. And so that like delayed the shoot for nine months, you know what I mean? And so it was, it was a lot like waiting, <laughs> waiting, you know, it's really just hurry up and wait at a certain point. You've got it set up at the studio, you know, we pitched it, we wrote it, you know. So it was like kind of ready to go since 2018. You know, um, but, you know, we, we might have shot it a lot earlier if it were enough for COVID, but then, you know, COVID happens and you got to wait again, you know. So, you know, I, I was walking around the studio while you guys were making the, um, they cloned Tyrone. You, you you guys built a lot of cool sets. We did. We, we, I saw some amazing stuff. <laughs> we built some, some, some pretty ambitious you know ambitious sets given like the covid of it all <laughs> what is the what's the what's the setting of the movie like what's the what's the year what's the give me give me kind of like the you know obviously no no revealing of any important plot twists but you know tell us tell us what the the pitch is if i'm telling somebody they should go watch this movie a pimp a hoe and a drug dealer find themselves in some nefarious shit 
That's the plot. <laughs> <laughs> that's what you pitched to Universal, isn't it? Yeah, you know, right. Was like, man, that's what we've been looking for. You're damn right. It's, it's <laughs> who's the pimp? Who's the hoe? And who is the third person? The pimp, the hoe, the and drug the drug dealer. So the prostitute is Tiana. Okay. The pimp is Jamie Foxx, and the drug dealer is John Boyega. Oh, I like this already. And so it's it's about three ne'er do wells who don't have any detective skills whatsoever, being the only people who are hip to some some real conspiracy shit. <laughs> okay, okay. So they they find themselves the the least the least viable candidates being the only candidates to do some Scooby Doo shit. Now, is there any comedy element? When I heard the yes. name, they clone Tyrone. It, I thought it, for it's sure. It's like it's it's a weird movie. So it's like I mean, I think tonally it's. It's more living in that Big Lebowski world, you know what I mean? Like it's it's not a comedy, but it's comedic, you know. Think like, like Tarantino, Boogie Nights, or yeah, like Tarantino. I mean, Pulp Fiction, or, you know. It's definitely like not the same as those movies in several regards, but in that in that like tonal mashup, you know, it uh, that would be something I would, you know, that th- those movies that I was watching, you know, just to study you know beforehand you know um because i think that like this walks a very fine tightrope between like absurdity and and groundedness you know there's a lot of like satirical elements in it and you know at first and foremost it's a mystery movie you know it's just that the the scooby-doo the detectives aren't really detectives but you know hopefully they happen to be the perfect detectives, you know, like, they have the only skills right. that would have uncovered this mystery. Hopefully, if we if we if we did it right. Well, a, a pimp, a hoe, and a drug dealer each have a very particular set of skills. They do, they do, and they they use them in the movie to get to to follow breadcrumbs in their own ways. <laughs> they, they they synergize, you know, they synergize together to to figure some shit out, you know. And, uh, you know, it's just the rabbit hole. The rabbit hole goes uh, progressively stranger as the movie goes on. But um, it sounds like you're a huge Tarantino fan. I am. I would think so, based on, you know, the things you're talking about. What other directors, and, and talk about Tarantino, but what other directors do you feel like have had the most inspirational impact on you that, that you really resonate with and say, man, that guy knows how to tell a story? Man, it's so many, you know. I mean, obviously Tarantino, Coen Brothers, um, PT. Um, but then, I mean, I also, I mean, I love Spielberg. I love Zemeckis. You know, my favorite movie is probably Back to the Future. So, I mean, it's like there's a, mm-hmm. you know, there's the the dark, like, you know, darkly comedic, you know, tonally ambiguous movies that I love. You know, and but then as a, I also love like popcorn flicks. You know, what I'm saying? I love like classic like hero's journey. You cheer, you know what I mean? Like you celebrate. Like I, I also love that. You know what I'm saying? You know, the usual suspects, Scorsese. You know what I mean? Like the way you know what I mean? The way he uses you know humor and violence. You know what I mean? I think there is definitely an element of humor and violence in this movie. You know, um, no, nah, I mean, it's, I, I am a big Tarantino fan, though. Um, big Tarantino fan. Um, I love Chris Nolan. I mean, I, you know, I'm, 
I'm not unique, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> I'm not unique. I mean, I do like, you know, uh, I do like Korean cinema, you know what I mean? I think, like, it's just a lot of dope shit, you know what I'm saying, that, like, just different storytelling techniques, you know what I mean? Uh, like, I love Parasite. was probably my favorite movie last year, you know. I love Burning, you know. I mean, I love shit like Train to Busan and Soul Station and, you know. So, I mean, I, I think this movie is like a weird mashup of a lot of the things that I'm interested in, which is why my fingers are crossed that it comes out all right. <laughs> I, have an, I have an imagination for the future that it's going to turn out very well for you. I can tell by the way you think that, um, you know, you're going to fit into this ecosystem incredibly well. I mean, you already are, but... Um, I think there's going to be more and more opportunity for you that you on levels that you can't even imagine yet, or you probably do imagine you're just not willing to admit, but that's okay. <laughs> Humility will serve you incredibly well. No doubt about that. It's got to it's got to do well first, you know. Like you got to you have this. He has to, you know. There's a there's part of you that hopes, and that part of the cynic that's like, who knows, man? <laughs> there's just some weird shit going on. Like it it, it is a traditional hero's journey story it's just wrapped in a weird case that hopefully <laughs> doesn't get too weird well the only difference between a dreamer and a visionary is execution you're right so i'm there glad you you're focused on that execution you'll get there all right jewel we're running out of time if people want to find you on the interwebs oh man i'm hard to media, find i'm hard to find on the interwebs i don't really have a twitter or an instagram that's genius work on your part <laughs> You don't have any social media? I do, actually, but it's not... Um, it's not public? Well, it, I, I mean, it's public. It's just, it's just like dormant, I would say. It's like... I, I, mm. like it's, it's, I haven't been on my Twitter account in like seven years. It feels okay, like... Well, it's we, like won't, <laughs> we won't give people your Twitter account. Where else like can they find followers. you? Like, like, it's like, it ain't really, you know... I mean, you know, I mean, I'm not being mysterious here i mean like it, it's just like a dormant account if, like if, I, it exists if steven spielberg wants to find you because he wants to executive produce something that he wants you to direct how does he find you shit uh i mean he definitely wouldn't find me on twitter <laughs> i mean <laughs> steven makes two calls he'll find you guaranteed if you but... if you look up hey don't mind me on instagram okay and you find the most derelict the most derelict looking account, that's probably mine. That's probably yours. Hey, don't mind me. Hey, don't mind me. It is actually very apropos. Yeah, I love it. Yeah. Um, what, uh, who, who represents you? Who's your agent? Uh, I'm at William Morris. Uh, so I'm at Miesh Prebu and uh, I'm with uh, Roger Green and Miesh Prebu. So I'm at, I'm at William Morris and uh, Gotham and Redefine. Um, for management, um, Eric Robinson, uh, Peter McHugh, and Max Goldfarb. All right. Well, when um, they clone Tyrone comes out, and people want Jewel Taylor or Jewel Taylor, whichever one they've heard, uh, to come direct their next movie, they know to go to WME and hunt you down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right, Jewel. Thank you for taking the time. This has been fantastic. Oh no, I, thank I you. I appreciate it. And, uh, All right. Have a good one. Talk to you soon. This has been the Black Hole Podcast. You can find us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. 
Thanks for listening. 